Well, good morning. Well, we're in the book of James. We're in chapter 4. We're moving on. We're in chapter 4. And uh, it's good. James is reminding us uh, who we are. We were, the gather- we were the scattered ones, but now in Christ, we are the gathered ones. So much in the book of James. He's, he's reminding us about God's faithfulness, that God, what God has started, he's going to finish in us, and his end game in us is to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He wants us to know him and, and be with him and, and have his perspective on what's happening in our life. I don't know about you, but I can really lose perspective easily. I mean, almost like that. And so James reminds us that man, it's, as we walk through this journey of life, we need to have his perspective, God's view of what, what is going on around us and what's going on in us. As we read the, these 12 verses this morning, I mean, literally books have been written over one and two of these verses, and we're going to try to cover them in about 35 minutes. And so we're just going to do an overview and maybe some deep, deep dives, maybe a ride this morning. And what my prayer is that we would get what God wants us to, to receive through James chapter 4. Also, as I was reading through this, once in a while when you're on YouTube, and like I watch a lot of worship stuff on YouTube, that's where I, how I listen to my music nowadays, is I just have YouTube playlists over and over. And on the side, sometimes you think, see, see the things on the side? And there was this thing like slap contest. And I was like, hmm, that looks interesting. And so I clicked on it. Be careful what you click on on the internet, right? Okay. But it was in Russia. And I guess in Russia, these slap contests are really big. And so what they do is they just take two people. Can you be my volunteer? (laughs) Come on up here. A pastor's dream. So stand on the other side of this table. This is Blair, everybody. Okay. And so, and it doesn't matter what size you are. It's, it's if you want to stand on the other side of the table, you do it. And what they do is they just take turns slapping each other. And literally, oh, but it has to be open palm, so no punching because that's not fair. So you guys come a little closer. I'm short. Okay. Okay. Right, there you go. And they just line themselves up, and then just. No, oh, you're good. Okay. <laughs> Okay. No joke. And I was going to show you a video this morning, but I was thinking, ah, oh, some of you probably is like, ooh. Because it, most, some of those people just get knocked, they just get knocked out with a slap. I mean, it's, poof. So I look forward to your emails, like, when you, uh. So, but that's how sometimes I feel as I read through the book of James. I just feel like I'm just getting, Boom. And then you get back up, and you know, some of you stumble up, and they actually help the people up, and they stand there and give the nod, yes, I'll do it again. And, um, and then all of a sudden, then another slap. And so that's, I just tell you, as I read through the book of James, especially like right now, the passage we're in today, James 4, it just feels like sometimes we're getting slapped around by the word. Now, is that the, our God's heart? No, not at all. What God wants for us is he wants us to get it. He wants, because he, he loves us so much, he wants us to understand how to live life this side of heaven. 
And so this passage this morning, these passages that we're going to hit and highlight a few of them and not get to all of them, might slap us around a little bit this morning. (laughs) And as I read, everybody have your Bibles? Have your Bible this morning? Nice. Okay, I'm going to make a debut this morning. I've been fighting it. Bible says fight the good fight. I lost. So, and I even have the bigger version of the, like, I have bigger print in this one. Because my other one is like, there's, I'm, there's, no, there's a no-go. Um, and so, um, and, I was, and, I, and I was like reading, and I was like, man, why am I struggling to read? And I stick these things on, and I was like, whoa, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's right there. It's almost better if I not have these on. I have more of an excuse. But Okay, we're in James chapter 4. We're in verse 1. We're going to read all the way through 12. It's a little intense in spots, but we're going to read it. We're going to trust that God speaks to us through his word this morning. What causes fights and quarrels among you? And I'm going to stop and do some, whoa, I can't do that. And do a little commentary once in a while as I read this this morning, okay? Remember, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to people outside at the Seahawk parties this morning, okay? He's talking to the church, all right? It's important for us to get this concept. By the way, when I would look at you like this with these glasses on, you guys look great. (laughs) You've never looked better. It's super blurry, sorry. Okay. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. In church, in the church, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you, do, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Slap. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Opposition to God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in you? You know the song, He is Jealous for Me? And we're like, "Ah, that's kind of a weird phrase. Why would we sing a song, He is Jealous for Me? Right here. Because God is. He loves us so much that when we chase the things of this world for satisfaction, to give us joy, we put our hope in, then we lose sight on God and we lose his perspective of what he wants to do in us and through us in the world that he's placed us in. He is jealous for us. But he gives us more grace That is why scripture said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And is he saying we're not supposed to have fun at church? That we should just come and just say, okay, we're just going to be really somber, and we're going to mourn over our sin and our brokenness. No, we should celebrate the fact that there is good news. But what was happening here is people weren't looking in the mirror. People weren't looking in the mirror, and they were just blowing past their sin and doing whatever they wanted to do and not taking what Jesus did on the cross seriously. I mean, Jesus, what he did on the cross was a serious thing. He died for our sin. And so we should look in that mirror and say, Thank you, Jesus, you died for that. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will do what? Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Yikes. Slap. Jesus, this morning, wow. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you love us so much you're going to tell us the truth. And so we just take a moment this morning we look in the mirror. And God, I know what I personally see. But God, I'm thankful that even though you see it, you redeemed it. And said I was worthy. You look at us in this room and tell each one of us that we are worthy to be called your sons and to be called your daughters. Amen. Have you noticed as, you, as we read the Bible that God has a lot to say about our neighbors? He has a lot to say about our neighbors. Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter. He has a lot to say about our neighbors. And I was really convicted because uh, we've been in our house about 27 years. Same house. I hate to move. That's why we're at the same house. Um, and our neighbors have come and gone, some of them. Our neighbor, as I'm looking out of my front door, our neighbor to the left bought the house originally, so she's been there 40-plus years. And then we've had neighbors come and go here, here, and here. I can, I can picture my, in my neighborhood, I've got a house on each side, and I have houses across the street. And I'll just confess, Cleo's amazing with our neighbors. She knows all their names. She knows what they do. I guess it helps having binoculars looking out the front window. <laughs> no, she doesn't do that. I accuse her of doing that, but she doesn't do that. <laughs> I'm really bad about that. Because a lot of times I, I just drive in my driveway, look at my yard, okay, it's fine, walk in my house. I go sit in my backyard, it's fenced. Right? Are those the neighbors that Jesus is talking about, that James talks about? Yes. 
But neighbors, a lot of times, is a general picture. And I, one of my favorite websites, and I say this often uh, with Wildfire and with my leaders, is um, gotquestions.org. Gotquestions.org, all one word. Um, and it is a Christian kind of question and answer website. It's uh, theologically, it's phenomenal. If you want to, if you have questions about the hardest topics uh, in life, gotquestions.org, and they'll give you the biblical, what the Bible says. Now, it kind of comes from a very conservative, I don't agree with necessarily all of it, but most of it, and it's just really good. And so I was looking that up, hey, what does the Bible say about my neighbor, and who is my neighbor? And this is in the article. I mean, they're long articles, scripture verses, references, everything is awesome. Written by professors, they're, they're fantastic. This is what GodQuestions.org says about who our, who our neighbor is. Our neighbor is thus, it's kind of fancy, our neighbor is thus anyone in our proximity with whom we can share God's love. We are called not only to love those who are similar to us or with whom we are comfortable, but all whom God places in our path. God shows love to all people, so as his children, we are called to do the same. It's pretty simple. Love God and love people. Complex, yes. And doctrinally, we can argue about certain things, but if we just simplify it, if we just stew it out, and we simply need to love God and we need to love people. And it was probably about eight months ago, I was driving through neighborhood, neighborhoods, praying, thinking, and it was just as if Jesus was sitting in my passenger seat. And I think I must have been frustrated with people at that point, none of you in this room, of course. I don't know where I was, what I was doing necessarily besides just driving. And it was like the Lord spoke up and said, since when did we, the church, when were we supposed to give up on people? Since when were we supposed to give up on people? Because I'll tell you that there's times where if I'm in a place and someone doesn't look like I look, dress like I dress, believe what I believe, act like I act. It's really easy to draw a line, isn't it? It's really easy to, to turn away and not love the person, not, not, not agree with what they're doing or how they're doing it, but we are to love the person, amen? amen. Ephesians. Chapter 6 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I could tell you this, that Miss Judy Hansen could come up here and speak for four hours on this passage right here. But I just want to simply say that we live in a spiritual world that we're going to battle. But our battle is not with one another. It's not as with people. But our battle is spiritual. As believers in Christ, our eyes have been opened, and our battle is spiritual. So what would we do if somebody 
want an individual or a group of people walk through the doors of our church on a Sunday morning that didn't look like us, act like us, dress like us, behave like us, or even believe like us? How would we respond? What would we do? Hopefully we would love. I hope so. It's not always the case, though, church. I'm not necessarily saying RCC church. I'm talking the church. But maybe some of us in this room. Maybe me. I'm hoping that would be my response. And I just want to give you a couple examples that I've heard lately. Uh, one most recently and then one I've heard several years ago. So in the Foursquare Church, we are a Foursquare Church denomination. I like to call us laid-back assembly. <laughs> okay? We're not the big hair. We're not the, you know... You know, I don't roll my pants leg up and wear boots every Sunday. Even though someone said I looked fly the other night because I'd rolled up my pants and had my socks showing. And <laughs> it, but it was Halloween, so I mean, it's like, okay, all right. Maybe I should do that more often. Uh, so back in the 60s and 70s, one of the legends in Foursquare, uh, Jerry Cook, a few of you guys will know who he is. He, he pastored a church in Oregon, kind of Portland area, you know, Portland's motto, keep Portland weird. You guys know that? That is literally their motto. The city of Portland has chosen to advertise themselves as keep Portland weird. And if you ever drive and walk through the streets of Portland, they're nailing it. <laughs> They've got it. They got it figured out. So he pastored a church back when it was really weird times. 60s, 70s, and he's pastoring this church, and it's crazy. He, he's a pretty radical guy, and he's sharing and teaching, and somebody in his congregation said, hey, can you come to my house on Friday night? I've got, I'm going to invite a bunch of my friends and some people to come, and I want you to just share with us. And so he gets to this house on a Friday night, and it is packed, and he can't even walk in. It is just, you know, you're just squeezing through. And they took a chair and stuck it up on the dining room table and lift, helped lift him up there and said, tell us about this Jesus that you know. And it was a room full of drug addicts, prostitutes, pimps, you name it. He starts sharing about Jesus and a bunch of them get saved and guess what happens on Sunday morning? They showed up at church. Front row. They are so excited about Jesus. Front row. Prostitutes lined up in the best that they had to wear right next to their pimp. And they gave their life to Jesus, and Jesus radically changed them, and that church embraced them. It's really important, church. First impressions are really important. Even the eye roll. I was like, ooh, you know? Doesn't matter who walks. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Uh, <laughs> whoever walks through the doors of church, we need to love. Not eye roll, not like, you know, why don't you sit in the back here? I mean, we already talked about it earlier on in James. We don't show favoritism. We just love whoever walks through our doors. Just recently, I went to a conference, and it was a unique conference because it's tackling the topic of today, sexuality and identity. And 
Deb Hirsch is on the cutting edge as a believer. Um, she is a Bible believer, and she believes what the Bible has to say about marriage. And yet, she's in the community where she's just really loving on people and, and walking people towards Jesus and helping them walk with Jesus. Back in the early, I believe it was 80s, um, she has lived in a hippie house, a little commune, and it had everybody in that house. Straight, not straight, play both sides. You guys get what I'm talking about, right? You guys talk, know what I'm talking about. So we had straight people living in that house, we had gay people living in that house, and we had bi people living in that house. And their drug, their drug dealer, their leader, who back in the day when marijuana wasn't legal, well, that's a whole other topic, he, uh, he got busted and went to jail. And in jail, he found a Bible, and he got saved. He's in jail for 10 days, got saved. He came home and said, I got to tell you about Jesus. This house gets saved. They all, they get, they all get saved. And they're like, we got to go somewhere, and we got to go somewhere. So, isn't that interesting? Just inside, instinctively, I know Jesus now. I need to gather with other Jesus people. So they showed up at this little church, this little dying church. And I don't want to offend anybody in here, but it's a gray hair church. Just, it's a gray hair church. Okay? There's no young people there. And they walked in, and you can imagine. Piercings, tats. Not much clothes, but they had what they had. And they walked in, and everybody's just like. <laughs> they sat down, and she said, what changed their life was how that church embraced us. Didn't necessarily agree with what we were doing. In fact, what happened is because they embraced us, we went back, and Jesus started working through that church and working through his Holy Spirit, and we stopped doing what we were doing. So it's really important as, as a church that we don't expect people to clean themselves up and then they can come to church. I mean, Jesus caught his fish first, then he cleaned them. When the net was full, they weren't already clean and ready to fillet and throw right on. No, we had to clean them and do the work, right? So that's what he does with us. He doesn't expect us to be perfect when we walk through the doors of the church. And so we shouldn't expect anybody else, right? I know those are broad topics and subjects this morning. And I do believe in, in marriage and what the Bible has to say. And, but we're all sinners looking for a Savior. I really believe that, that we're all sinners looking for a Savior. So does that mean that we can just do whatever we want because we're not supposed to judge one another? Hmm. Interesting. No, we're supposed to do the Hebrews 10 thing. In church, inside the walls of the church, this is what we're supposed to be doing right here. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. I just love that. We'll talk about that. We're supposed to spur one another on towards what? Love and good deeds. 
not giving up on meeting together as some of them are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see or as you see the day approaching. There's four mandates here that the writer of Hebrews gives us. He tells us to hold on to hope. He tells us to meet together. He tells us to encourage one another. And he tells us to spur one another on. What does spur one another on? Okay? It is to hold one another accountable. Okay? So for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, I'm not talking about someone who just walks off the street. I can't just walk out on the street corner and expect people to be Christians and act like Christians because they're not. But for those of us that have said yes to Jesus, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Hold on to hope. Encourage one another. We're supposed to meet together on a regular basis because it helps us. And we're supposed to be accountable to one another. Spur one another on. Encourage one another to love. Hey, remember, we're supposed to love one another. Encourage one another to be doing the right thing and not the things we used to do, but the right thing. That's what we're supposed to do inside the walls of the church. That's not judging. Like, when we encourage one another, that's not judging one another. We're supposed to encourage one another to to make the right decisions and to follow Jesus. Because we know when we do that, when we are walking with Jesus and following him, that's where joy comes from. When we're walking in kind of both worlds, you know, like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable because you're not going to be happy in, in either one. You're going to feel guilty at church. Because I, I can only say this because that was me. I showed up every time the doors were open. But in my heart and in my mind, when I wasn't here, I was way over here. Just doing dumb things. Looking at the wrong stuff. Hanging out with people that weren't necessarily leading me to the right place. So I was miserable over here because I knew I was, I was supposed to be over there. But when I was over here, I, I just felt guilt and shame. Because the Holy Spirit is a convi- was convicting me. Because God wants us either, what does he want? He either wants us to be on or he wants us to be off. In Revelation, it says hot or cold. On or off. And if you're just flick, 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 it's miserable. Jesus said that the world would know, the world would know that we are his followers if we gather every single Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and read our Bibles every single day and worship for an hour and a half every day. No. What, is the, what did Jesus say? The world will know that you are my followers if you do what? If you love one another. That sounds easy, but that's hard. Some of you are really hard to love. I'm just joking. It is really hard to love one another sometimes. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Can I back up for a second? You're not hard to love. I was just joking. Don't go home and say, man, I went to church and the pastor says I was hard to love. (sighs) Maybe you are. 
Sorry, not sorry. Is that, is that the new phrase? Sorry, not sorry. Okay. Just kidding. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, and you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you don't ask God, and when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend on your own pleasures. This is crazy that this happens in church. So I was thinking, hey, I wonder what happens if you Google like top 10 crazy church fights. <laughs> this is what happens right here. It actually popped up top 25. I was like, wow, that's sad. So I just picked 10. So I'm going to give you 10 quick ones, just 10 quick. These are actual people like fighting over stuff like this in church. There's an argument that broke out after service about the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. <laughs> There's a fight over whether or not to build a children's playground or to build a cemetery. Well, you'd fill it up both ways, right? <laughs> I choose life. A church argument and vote to decide if there should be a clock in the sanctuary or not. A petition to have the church staff all cleanly shaven. Must have been the Yankees or something like that. That's a baseball reference. Thank you, Tim. That's for you, buddy. Business meeting arguments about whether the church should buy a weed eater. It took two meetings to decide. And an argument over whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church potluck. <laughs> and then the argument was, should we call it a church potluck? Okay. A church member was chastised because she brought vanilla syrup to the coffee server because it looked too much like alcohol. Church members left the church because one of the church members hid the vacuum cleaner from them. <laughs> it resulted in a major fight and split. I'll just tell you all right now, the vacuum cleaner is right outside this door to the right. You can use it here anytime you want. It, it would actually save us thousands of dollars a year if you did that. Joking, not joking. It would save us thousands of dollars a year. A dispute over whether the church should allow people to wear black shirts since black is the color of the devil. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. I love black shirts. So, Arguments over what type of green beans the church should serve. Some of you would say, that's an easy one. Just don't serve green beans. <laughs> Do we have green bean people in here? Raise your hand if you like green beans. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. Raise your hands if you, um, okay, raise your hands. If, okay, how am I going to do this? Corn? Okay, corn. So some of you like both, corn, green beans, okay? Corn only, raise your hand. If you had to choose between corn and green beans, corn, 
Okay? Green beans. We're going to settle this right now. Raise your hand if you like corn. Yes. And then green beans. Yes. Oh, I got the perfect battle this morning, ladies and gentlemen. And I haven't even asked them for permission, and they can totally tell me no. But it's on video right now, and Facebook is watching. So the pressure would be on. I would like Michael to represent corn this morning. Come on up, Michael. Come on up. And dad, I would like you to come up and represent green beans. So for those of you who don't know, this is Rock'em Sock'em Robot, okay? And so what you do is you just hold them and push. You can practice, so stay away from each other. I'm like the referee guy. You got to stay away. Okay, so just practice. Okay, so when you hear the bell, you go. And we're just like... One knockout. Not, we're not going to drag this on, okay? I think I've already done that enough. Okay, you ready? So when you hear the bell, no, no pre-punching here. Go to your corners. Here we go. Oh! You stopped. You already knocked his head off. You won. Corn wins. I just made Michael's year right there. Some of you are dying to come up here and play this, aren't you? So, hey, I have a new church policy. You get in a disagreement with somebody? Come to church and play Rock'em Sock'em Robot. It'd be blue versus red. Seems ridiculous, right? It seems a, a little, this is crazy. But conflict and, and fighting is, it just happens, right? It happens. And, and James addresses it here and says, the reason why it happens is because we're selfish. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to humble ourselves before God and before one another. And we're really supposed to work through it together. And we could spend a lot of time this morning talking about all these things. But let me just jump to uh, this passage here. Submit yourselves then to God. So when, when conflict happens, how do we respond? What are we supposed to do? This is a great way because this takes the edge off. Right? We can play a game. Let's play a game. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And let's just stop there. Submission. Books have been written about submission. What does it mean for us to submit to God? Well, as I was driving through the new traffic circle in Fairwood this last week, <laughs> I hate those things. Um, it's just awkward, isn't it? 
And so people are, especially the ones that don't have two lanes. I like the one out by Kentwood because it at least has two lanes. But this one here, it's almost worse. I, there's going to be an accident there all the time because there's no yield. There's no place for you to merge onto. It's either you're in or you're out. Merging, right? And so it's submission to God is much like that. It's like an awkward traffic circle. Because we got to figure out how do I... How do I yield? How do I do this? So in conflict, conflict is awkward and weird too. And So how do I do this? How do I submit myself to God and make sure I'm right with him? Not that I'm right, but make sure I'm right with him. And that I'm not making it about me. We, we are in a spiritual battle, so we're supposed to resist oppose the devil, and when we do that, along with submission to God, what happens? The devil leaves. Come near to God, and he will do what? That's what I want. I mean, I want God near me. I want to be near to God. So I I need to submit. I need to resist. And I, I need to draw near. And he'll give me victory. It's really important for us as a church to take unity seriously. If the world will know that we are his disciples, that we are his followers, if we love one another, then unity is really, really important. So quickly, what do we do when conflict shows up? We're at home. Husband and wife, we're not quite getting along. Nobody in this room. I'm just talking about anybody on, it's, it's you, Facebook. What do we do? We have to submit to God. Make sure we're right with God. We're all on journey together, so make sure that our area of the path, we're right with God. And I mentioned Facebook just a few minutes ago. Posting your stuff on Facebook does not help people. Man, I've seen that so much lately. It drives me crazy. Man, if you have something going on with somebody, like if Thad and I were like, Dad, get up here. We're playing this game right now. Okay. Okay. That's one round, baby. That's it. <laughs> I'm not doing the slap contest with you because I'll know who'll be on the floor. <laughs> okay. But if, I have, if Thad and I are like not really seeing eye to eye. What do I need to do? I need to post that on Facebook. I need to tweet about it. No. What, I, what does the Bible say I need to do? I need to go talk to my brother. Okay? Or he needs to come and talk to me. And I'm hard-headed, so if I don't respond to him, then he's supposed to go get somebody else, and they're supposed to both come and talk to me. To make me feel guilty? No. So we'll be right together. Because the world will know we're Jesus' followers if we do what? If we love one another, if we work things out. It is not easy. Coming to church, again, is kind of like that awkward traffic circle. We just have to continue to yield to one another as we all yield to God. Pastor Alex has... 
I, and I use this quote all the time, in the midst of conflict in a situation, especially in the midst of a situation where we're believers, what he'll, he, what he'll say is, one of you needs to be the Christian. <laughs> when things are flying and words are flying and utensils are flying and couches are moving and doors are slamming, one of us needs to be a Christian. good. And that's what James is talking about in this passage. Hey, fights and quarrels show up. It's what are you going to do when they show up? We need to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee and draw near to God. Amen? Let's stand together. Not even close to covering this passage, but read it this week. Pray through it this week. Things that we should fight for, church. His kingdom come, his will be done. We need to fight for one another. We need to fight for people. It is a spiritual battle. We need to celebrate one another. Not get jealous over one another like, oh man, they got those new shoes. I wanted those shoes. And then we get angry and we get frustrated because I don't have those new shoes. No, let's celebrate that. Celebrate it. Let's celebrate people. Unity is huge. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you just link up, if you grab, put your arm around the, kind of like the square dance. If you want to hold hands, you're welcome to do that. Larry, what? Sneak right up here. There you go. If you just link up, touch elbows if you're like, don't want any of that action. <laughs> Why do I have you do this? For a kumbaya moment? Yes. Yes. Because I want you to know, I want us to know. Ken's got his arm out here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab onto it. I want us to know that we're in this together. That there's, yes. there's, there's no one walking here by themselves. And so Jesus, this morning we're thankful that your word speaks directly to us even slaps us around a little bit this morning. And, and God, we don't want to be the church on the crazy list. So Lord, help us to, to walk with you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to yield to you as you work in us. Help us to love one another. We want Fairwood to know that we're your followers because we love one another. We want Maple Valley to know. We want Renton, Kent, Auburn, Federal Way, Covington. We want them all to know that RCC are your followers because we love one another. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. We will see you next week. You're awesome, Kevin. <laughs>